Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Better Dad Podcast. My name's Matt. Um, and I live in California with my wife and our three young kids. This podcast was something I started to do in the year 2021 just to grow and become a better dad. Basically, I had a goal of growing as a dad and I decided the way I was gonna do it was by having conversations with experts in areas that I wanna grow and with dads who I think are killing it and are doing cool things. And today's guest is David Moini. He owns Franklin and Emily. It's a children's furniture company based out of Brooklyn. And one of the reasons I wanted to talk to him was just to hear his story of being a dad who kind of shifted careers and who started as an accountant. He went to becoming a professional chef and now he's making children's furniture out of his studio in Brooklyn. I loved hearing his tidbits, his thoughts on entrepreneurship and how he stays grounded as a family when having crazy work life. We even instituted uh, Rosebud Thorn at our dinner table, something that he told me about that I really loved. So here is my conversation with owner of Franklin and Emily Furniture, David. Yeah, my name is David Mooney. I'm, uh, I, I guess the title is kind of can go on forever. I'm a, a parent, a husband, brother, son, uh, also the founder of Franklin and Emily, which is a children's furniture company based out of Brooklyn. Nice. And and we met we met through a mutual friend um, who my, my day job is I work for Chipotle. Um, we have a, a chef named Chad. And he knew you because you also were a chef at some point. Is that correct? Yeah, uh, it, very correct. Yeah, Chad and I worked back in New York. I think it was 2007 through 2010 um, at Per Se, which is Thomas Keller's restaurant in uh, New York at uh, Columbus Circle. And I was a chef for a while and then kind of moved away when I kind of got out of the cooking. And I, you know, Prior to being a chef, I was actually an accountant. So this is hmm. career number three for me. There's you know a lot of bets on what career number four is going to be. Um, so yeah, I was an accountant, which is where I met my wife. She kind of stayed on to that path. And then um, I went into cooking because I really needed to do something with my hands. I think yeah. you know back in that time, if you were kind of creative in accounting, it was generally illegal, probably hmm. still is. So I really wanted to make something tangible and physical. And that's kind of where we got into the cooking um, kind of thing. So I started from the bottom. I got my hands on everything I could read and kind of, you know, was able to progress, you know, kind of rapidly up to, you know, the three Michelin star kind of wow. restaurants there. From there, I kind of did some consulting and um, worked at a place in New York also called Haven's Kitchen, where it was a cooking school, cafe and event space. And we really got into teaching there. And I, really, this love of teaching kind of came from that, um, teaching people how to cook, teaching people how to be better cooks at home using kind of the tips and tricks from restaurants. From there, we started a CPG sauce company and got into Whole Foods within eight months, which was mm -hmm. amazing to see a startup from like that kind of stage. And then as I kind of realized, I kind of let my career run away with itself and I, I wasn't in control anymore. So all of a sudden, I wasn't cooking as much anymore. I was at the computer more and that's really not why I got into cooking. So we kind of, at the same time, kind of my daughter, uh, Frances, who was two at the time, would come into our bedroom at, you know, five or six in the morning and sit on our printer waiting for us to wake up and entertain her. Um, and so she broke the printer and destroyed the feed tray and all that kind of stuff. So I built her a little chair that she could sit on and it kind of took off from there. We'd still, you know, our, our place was still a hot ticket to get dinner because I could still cook. So we'd have yeah. friends that would come over and after that, you know, well, where's this chair from? I made it in the basement. And at this time we had, you know, five or six different prototypes. So at the end of dinner, you know, I have all these like adults just sitting in these tiny chairs. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, my wife was like, just give it a go. You know, you know, you're kind of winding down your, your cooking career. Why don't you try this? So I think that was one of those big things was just jumping off and pulling the bandaid off. 
Mm. And then, uh, yeah, we started Franklin Emily in, uh, I think 2017 wow. and, you know, kind of started with the chair and, you know, ups and downs. And then, um, cut to, you know, most recently we've, we're working on, you know, five new products to add to our line of, you know, I think we've got six already in, in our collection and it's just been great. I mean, I, I think we're, we're really blessed that COVID is kind of really been good for us. We've, we've taken off because people are investing more in their homes, you know, yeah. that vacation, that vacation money is still there now, but they're like, we're spending a lot more time in our homes. So that's give, you know, let's make it look nicer. That's, let's have something for our kids to use. Um, and so that's kind of where our line went um, last year. And then, yeah, we've got a whole bunch, a bunch of stuff coming up. Really exciting. And so that made you add the, the, like a desk and like, yeah, desk set. Yeah. So a lot of the stuff kind of pairs from what where my kids are at. So my mm-hmm. son Desmond is eight, almost nine, and my daughter Frances is five. Uh, and it was really like we switched to here in New York. We did fully remote, and so they needed a place that was really theirs, and it gave them autonomy at home because what you don't want to happen and I'm sure you know this too, is, you know, your the dining room table, the kitchen table becomes this grand central station and you've got school there and you've got life and you've got all, all that kind of stuff happening here. And it was really frustrating for us at 8.30 when they've got to log on to Zoom, you're searching for cables, books, notepads, notepens. So this really like, it delineated the space. You're learning at your desk. This is your, you know, your little desk. So we built prototypes and then a bunch of the families that we were in our pod, um, they all got desks and I was able to get feedback through them and their children. So it was really good and then yeah we launched it soon after that and then after that was you know everyone was cooking a lot more at home and we were getting a lot of comments like oh you know it'd be it'd be great if we had like a a montessori like toddler tower or learning tower so that our kids could help out in the kitchen because you want to keep your kids occupied as much as you can now Mm -hmm. um so yeah we came up with the toddler tower and designed it kind of on the same lines as the rest of our furniture uh, and that's really allowed, like my daughter uses it every day and it really, it really empowers her. Now she's got, you know, an extra foot and a half yeah. and she can get into, yeah, she can get into all sorts of stuff, but you see her doing these random things like trying to clean dishes and you're like, good, this would never have happened if yeah. you were standing on a chair. So, um, yeah, it's been really good. Yeah. Does, does she still use that first chair that you built her to get off of the printer? Yeah. Oh yeah. No, the first, like my son's sitting in a chair and they've, you know, their cushions are all over the place and they take the cushions and make forts with them. And I've seen them stack like six chairs. I'm like, Oh, please like don't stop. (laughs) But yeah, no, they, uh, yeah, all those chairs are still in use. You can tell the one chair now it's, uh, it's got a nice patina to it. We'll say that. (laughs) Nice. That's great. That's awesome. I, I, I love the, uh, the accountant to chef to furniture maker story, um, of kind of just like, always kind of willing to take the next thing. And yeah. I, I, I always, I heard this quote a while ago is probably just on like something dumb, like Instagram stories or something but like, yeah. you know, it said, uh, it, it said, you're not starting from scratch. You're starting from experience. Right. You know? And I always like, I always like come back to that when I'm thinking about like trying to do a new thing. Cause I'm like, Oh, if I'm doing a new thing, I'm not, I'm not starting from scratch. I'm not starting from square zero. Yeah. And like your career from chef to furniture maker really just made a lot of sense. Right. Cause it was, creative uh, yeah. I, I mean in the sense that like you were you were making things you know using your hands it was kinesthetic yeah. um and you wanted to kind of get back more into that right yeah it's it's you know the process is the same when you're you know where you're designing a plate um you know in a restaurant or a menu item 
you know, you're looking at what your costs are going to be on those ingredients. You're going to be looking at, does it fit within the mix of what you've got? Um, and then as far as production, how do you slide that into, you know, someone's prep list and all that sort of from the kitchen side. And then from the furniture side, it's the same thing. It's like, how do we design this piece? Does this fit within our collection? And then you go on to, you know, we've got to cost this thing to price it and all that. So it's really like the same tools are there. They're just different. You know, I still wear the same apron every day that I did in the kitchen, but nice. now it's, you know, covered in wood chips and not covered in, you know, uh, vegetable trim or whatever. Right. Um, so, yeah, there, there is a lot of the, that process that was a kind of natural transition over. Uh, over. Um, you know, I still have tools here. I still try to keep them sharp, um, yeah. but just, you know, different tools that we are using. Yeah. But, you know, I really, I, I actually really like that quote. Um, it was one of those things where, I was talking to a friend. I'm like, you know, I was really lucky to be able to work at per se for, for all that time. And he's like, it's not luck though. Like, let's think about this. Like it was, you know, you were fortunate enough to be in New York at that time where they needed someone, but like, they wouldn't have looked at you if you hadn't worked here, here and here since. Right. So he's like, luck actually has nothing to do with it. So it was kind of, it was kind of neat. And I, I, sometimes I'm a little bit too hard on myself for not giving myself that credit. Um, so it was good to be reminded of that. Yeah, that makes sense. I, uh, I, I'm curious to to ask you more at that because, like I said, like I, I definitely, um, I I think I think it's a very common feeling for maybe guys who you know start they have a family they have kids and they've kind of been doing something for a while and they kind of get to this point maybe maybe it's midlife I don't know I don't know what to call it um, but sort of like yeah I think I'm gonna do something totally different and that's that's yeah. kind of where I feel like I am I'm like I'm like 39 and I'm like man I think in my 40s I'm just gonna do something totally different than what I'm yeah. doing. Like, like career number three, it would be career number three yeah. for me. And what um, was your first one? Uh, you know, I did a lot of like teaching, um, okay. and kind of like nonprofit work. Um, mm -hmm. and then I moved into more like media and, um, production, which is kind of more what I do now. And, yeah. um, yeah, I'm just kind of, kind of looking for number three. And I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I, uh, I, I saw a bumper sticker a while back, um, that said it was it said Northwest School of Wooden Boat Building, and and I just had this like mo I just had this like moment, <laughs> and, and like I an followed epiphany. that car. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Followed that car. I had this moment of like, that's it, that's my life now. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm moving to the Northwest. And I'm gonna build boats, and then I like, and I like found it, and you know, it was it was a whole. I didn't, I didn't do that. I didn't end up yeah. on, um, in in There's Washington. There's a canoe in the back. Boats. You're like, yeah. that's amazing. Um, uh, but just that idea of like, yeah, like I, I think people are probably just so drawn to what you do because it's like visceral and you're building something and it's wooden. And, yeah. Um, but I think really it's neat for my kids and it kind of, I hate the question that, you know, kids get a lot asked where it's, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And it was one of those things now, like I, I tell my kids, I'm like, just tell me you want to be happy. Like you have no idea what you want to be and what, I, you know, what I wanted to be. Like I wanted to be, a, you know, I went from anything. I wanted to be a criminal lawyer to a butler to whatever. Like I think kids are so young and they have no idea what they want to be. So to ask those questions even. Um, yeah. I, I don't think it's a fair question for kids to have because you're going to have three to four different jobs, you know, careers, you know, not let, not let alone jobs. Right. Um, so I think it's neat for them to see me kind of navigating and kind of fluidly going through those things and, you know, having them not connected at all, I think is great because, you know, they don't get stuck in this thing like, you know, most kids want to be a firefighter when they grow up. And then yeah. that goes away and then you want to be something else. And then an astronaut or an athlete and that, you know, that always changes. And so I kind of want to keep that sense of like, oh, and you can do whatever you want, but yeah. know that you need to be flexible too. And that what you want now is probably not what you want to be in a month or, yeah. you know, whatever. And also like, yeah, we were talking, I was talking with my social media team. It's like, 
the job of influencer or any like TikTok star wasn't a job three no. years ago. Like, yeah, they're probably going to be working for something that doesn't exist right now, like, totally. like a whole a whole industry that doesn't you know exist. Um, so yeah, I think it's really neat. Yeah, I I remember I read somewhere that like. I don't know what the actual like number was where it was. I mean, basically if you ask a kid now what they want to be when they grow up, they'll say YouTuber, like the majority of kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's yeah, literally it's like 30. It's 30% of kids want to be a YouTube. Yeah. YouTube yeah. star. And then like, I think it's teachers the next one at like 15. I saw that. I saw that same thing, which is just, it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And like my, my son said that recently, he was like, yeah, I want to be a YouTuber. And I was just kind of like, what, what is that? What does that even yeah. mean? You know? And then um, you jump in, you're like, okay, let's get you all the stuff you need. You yeah. need sound baffling and this and that. <laughs> all right, cool. Let's do it. Yeah. But then you go on there and you see this, you know, a four-year-old that's doing unboxing videos and they've got, you know, a million subs and all that. And you're just like, okay, cool. Well, yeah. that is actually a thing. That's Great. awesome. <laughs> so, so I'm curious like that. So, so I guess really my, my question is like that jump from, um, you know, chef to um, furniture entrepreneur. Um, mm-hmm. Like, how? Wh- walk me through that process of like making that leap of of being able to actually say like, okay, I can I can do this. I'm going to actually do it, even with a family, with kids, and yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna make this leap. I think I think early on I got some. I, I got I I've been really blessed with a really good group of friends and family and all that. So I think first of all, when you're making those decisions, you need before you even make the decision, you need the support of you know your spouse and or family. And I've had a lot of support and with your friend group too. And I think that gut feeling is something. But also when you're like, yeah, I think I'm going to leave cooking and make furniture. And you know, my wife is like, Yeah, go for it. Like, but if you're going to do it, do it. Like, don't do this half kind of mm-hmm. hobby, you know, straggling thing. You really got to rip that bandaid clean off. And then I got really good advice from one of my friends who had kind of been in a similar, and he's in the design world too. And he's like, I think a lot of people when they're making those big changes, they think it of this massive thing. But he's like, You actually need to bring it down and break it down into one thing. It's like make one chair. That's it. And from that one chair, sell one chair. And now you're a furniture, you know, now you're a furniture designer. Now you've sold some furniture. Now you ship your first piece and now you're a shipper and then kind of build from there. So it's not one of those things like you have to figure out how you're going to scale to, you know, $3 million in revenue a year. He's like, just make one chair. That's it. That's where we're going to start with and then kind of take it from there. So I think people get a lot of overwhelmed with these decisions because they I'm not I'm not saying they're light decisions but you I think you need to kind of step back and break it down I don't need all the answers and I'm going to generate way more questions than I have the answers for but it's really just breaking it down and like I just need to do this one thing today and then I can do I remember like me making a change to our website before it was up was this massive thing and it's like these focus groups and all this sort of stuff and now it's like I don't even look at it. I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. Like let's make whatever change, like, you know, and deferring. So it, it's, it's interesting, you yeah. know, where you see the big issues when you were starting off versus now, but yeah, I would say, you know, definitely having the support of your friends and family and all that kind of stuff. And my kids, because I, you know, they didn't know me when I was an accountant, kind of, thank God. Um, <laughs> but it, it's really, that's kind of became a normal thing to them. Like, Oh, I'm, I'm, you know, I've done being, I'm, I'm not a chef anymore. I still cook. I, you know, I did consulting stuff. So they were kind of used to that. And yeah. now I'm going to make furniture and they, it kind of rolls off, you know, you're, you expect more kind of feedback from them. And they're just like, oh, okay, cool. Like that. Yeah. So it's, it's that, but definitely like supportive friends and family are, are huge for that kind of leap and just having some kind of game plan and also setting some realistic goals for yourself. Um, you know, yeah. I forget the stat, it's high number, but you know, of startups fail, like 90%, you know, it's like kind of the same restaurant statistic where right. it's like 90% of restaurants fail. And so you need to 
be able to give yourself some outs and you're like, okay, if by eight months I haven't done X, Y, and Z, then I'm going to re-examine. And so we do that kind of, we still do that um, at every stage where it's like, okay, if we haven't hit this revenue level, let's re-examine, you know, not the whole thing, but that's, that's kind of tweak that. Um, and that kind of starts from the start. So, you know, having that support and then setting really good kind of, you know, kind of goals for yourself and sticking with those and being like, okay, if I'm not an X by that, like I always made the joke, I still kept my knife sharp just in case I had to turn back. Right. Um, I don't know if I could do it anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, but just, and, and being realistic for yourself, like I'm going to have a huge drop in income. I'm going to be spending more money than is coming in that, you know, that definitely affects your family. So your family has to be okay with like, okay, you know, we, we might not take that massive vacation. It might be just a smaller kind of weekend and being, yeah. you know, being real with yourself um, there, you know, if you're going to self-funded versus, you know, if you're going and you're raising money and we decided not to um, at the start, um, those are kind of decisions that you've got to make too. So yeah, you end up just making a lot more decisions and raising a lot more questions than I think you answer at the start. How do you, so talk to me about being a dad and an entrepreneur. Like, what does that, what does that look like? Like, what, a, what does that look an... like? <laughs> uh, I, th- I think it's, it's no, it's really no different from any other job, except yeah. that like you really, and you know, I, I kind of want to say like what that looks like in a normal year versus, you know, 2020, what that looked like. Cause I think yeah, it yeah. would look very different. Um, but it's, you really do have to balance that. And now you've got this, you know, you're putting all your, you know, yeah, it's a brand name, Franklin Emily, but it's really me behind the brand. So I need to be able to, you know, I should be working on this 24 hours a day. And it's all that I think about and all that. And you really have to realize that you're still, the, you know, your number one title is still, you know, parent or spouse or whatever, you know, the entrepreneur kind of thing kind of, and th- that's my take on it. A lot of people will have, will level that differently. Um, but, you know, I think even in my Instagram bio, I have like father, entrepreneur, like all that kind of stuff. And the, the order is always rearranged right? Um, because, you know, when you're doing this, you're doing that. Um, but really, I think it's, I think it's super neat for kids to see that. And so we, we kind of set, you know, boundaries, like, you know, we do have a no phones at the table at dinner kind of rule where, um, you know, I think there has to be that delineation. Like I don't want to be working when I can be spending time with my kids and working afterwards. And it's just, you know, getting, I get them involved in a lot of the decisions and it's, it's odd, not decisions like, but if you bounce an idea off a kid, you'll get a very different answer. That's, because they're not clouded with all these other kind of frames of reference that they've had. And so you'll get a very clear, we were having a, we were having trouble with uh, damage shipment for the first little bit. Yeah. And my son was like, you know what you need? You just need to put a sticker that says, you know, fragile. I'm like, yeah. Okay. Good. Like we were re-engineering like how we pack these things and like reinforcing these things and throwing tons of these. Like you just need a sticker that says this way up and fragile. It's like, great. Okay, cool. That was a, you know, a five cent solution to this issue that we've been having. That's awesome. Um, so it is, it is neat to do. And we kind of bring them in the creative process all the time. Like nice. we'll do a little, when we're designing new things, it's like, oh, can you, you guys draw a chair? And half the time they have to be on like a low gravity environment because like the physics wouldn't work. But other yeah. times you get these cool kind of things and then, you know, they'll come into the shop on the weekend and we'll either prototype them with cardboard or we'll go make a, you know, a small model. So my daughter who has a lot of stuffed cats, like all her cats now have these different like art deco chairs and all these different kind of things that we built for them just to kind of prototype it at that level. So yeah. I think it's really neat to involve them in the, the entrepreneurial process like that. 
And I think it's just, you know, it's that, you know, they can either learn about NTFs from their mom or it's, you know, you can go build, well, let's go build a sword at, you know, the workshop. So it's, it's nice. kind of, it's kind of neat to have that um, thing. So I think my entrepreneur path is different because I have a physical product. I think if I was an entrepreneur and a SaaS product, yeah. um, you know, my kids wouldn't be interested, that interested in like a reoccurring revenue bundle. Right. Um, but if you're making a cool chair and there's, you know, lots of sawdust and lots of boxes to play in, um, yeah. it's definitely, it's definitely cooler. I think it's like, to involve them in that. It's easier to like, it's, bring yeah, them it's definitely. Them. And you can hide them in a box if you need to get work done. <laughs> I think it's super because of the hours that I do put in or that I, you know, I should be putting in more. It's really like, I think dinner time is super important from us from, you know, having my, my son or daughter help me out in, in preparing dinner to even, you know, when we're at the table. Um, one of the best parenting advices was from the, the owner of Haven's Kitchen, Allie, she's got five kids. So I'd hmm. say she's an expert. Um, but it was like this game called, I don't know if you heard it, Rosebud Thorn. So we no. play that at every, at dinner every night. So it's a game to, if you asked your kids, how was school today? You're going to get good or okay or yep. fine. Yeah. And that's great. So Rosebud Thorn, what it is, is you, we go around in a circle and it's really, it's good for the parents too, but um, you always have to have a rose, which is the best part of your day. So okay. what was looking back in your day, what was the best part? The next part is a bud or what you're looking forward to tomorrow. And then Thorn what was, what was the worst thing that happened to you today or what did, you know? And so really it takes the parent out of it and it, it kind of gamifies it. So that mm -hmm. they don't really think they're telling you anything. So it's like, Oh, I, you know, I had a great recess today. It was amazing. The sun was shining. We got to play. I'm really looking forward to that art class I have tomorrow. Oh yeah. And some guy kicked me at that you know, at recess and you're like, wait, 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 what? And so it's good to get those kind of that, that yeah. kind of thing out of there. And you're just like, and sometimes, you know, we'll do it when they're just before bed and you get really like, they'll get into it. You're like, I'm really having, I'm struggling with being on zoom all day. Yeah. And you're like, well, so am I. And so it's really a way to kind of open, get kids to open up um, like that. And we've also kind of added this new, my wife kind of added on compliments. So we'll also go around the table after Rosebud Thorn, And like I, and we do it too, where it's like, I had a great day. We, you know, our sales were up today. It was amazing. I'm really looking forward to getting that shipment of something tomorrow. I had a really bad day because, you know, a product came back that was broken or something like that. So you can really get into it too. And, and we're just as honest with them as they are with us, which I think is neat. Yeah. But they, we've added now compliments where you have to go around and kind of say something positive that the other person has done. Mm. Um, in there and it's just it's just good and it really opens up the kind of conversation at the dinner table where you know you're not at your phone sitting there trying to continue on to work and there is like a delineation in that day where it's like the entrepreneur side of me is gone and it's you know it's dad time and, and that kind of stuff and then after they go to bed you can you know either get back on the computer or you know Net kind of netflix it up maybe yeah exactly yeah yeah <laughs> you, or you youtube watch some five-year-old on youtube watch, watch a, my, a kid playing minecraft on yeah. youtube <laughs> dude yeah. i love oh, i love to, rosebud you've been to our house. <laughs> i love rosebud thorn i love that mm -hmm. i love it because it's also like it's it's teaching them feelings and emotions it's yeah. sad and mad it's like the yeah. two basic emotions but i, I love that yeah. it's like not just like what was the best part it was yeah it gamifies yeah. it and it makes it it's a it's it's imagery I, it's, it's yeah that's beautiful it's I love really that. it's really good too because you actually do expose yourself like there was there's a couple times where we'll be doing like you know does not be you know lying in bed before he kind of goes to sleep and then you end up like crying because you're opening yourself up to this like eight-year-old because he's yeah. like just as he's like oh what was the worst part of your day i'm like well i had a horrible day and really giving yourself that vulnerability, I think it kind of, it levels the playing field too. And it makes yeah. them open up more too. And he's like, and that's where you get this great, like only advice that an eight-year-old would give. It's like, 
well, why are you trying to do all that stuff at the one time? Why don't you just focus on the one thing? Like, yeah, I mean, that's the answer. Sure. But, and so it's, yeah. I, 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 I'm a big fan of like kids just don't get the credit that they deserve. Yeah. Um, and that's just one, I see that every time when, you know, I talk to both of my kids, it's like, you've got so much more experience than I did and yeah. so much more exposure to those kind of feelings. Um, yeah. Like our kids do mood boards every morning at school. It's like these different sectors and you have to pull off different words that you're feeling. And, you know, the teachers will reach out if you're in the red zone or if you're in mm. the blue zone too, too much kind of thing. So I think kids are definitely more, you know, tied into that kind of stuff now, which is great. All right. I have to ask you about this school because this doesn't sound yeah. like a, this doesn't sound like a normal school. This is, this, no, this is PS 107 in, in Park Slope. Really? Um, yeah. Really? It's, yeah. Great. It's just a mood. Yeah. It's a mood board. So in the younger grades, it'll be like this magnetic thing and you have your name and you put your name in the quadrant that you're, you're in, you know, it's yellow, green, blue, and red. And, you know, I feel, and it can be everything from, I feel sad or frustrated or sleepy or happy and all these kind of things. And you see the big clusters of kids like, Oh, I'm happy. I'm great. And you see, you know, maybe one or two, like, Oh, I'm sad or lonely. And then it's really good for the teachers to kind of zone in on that. And, you know, we do it as parents too, where it's like, how are you guys feeling? Like, you know, getting into that feeling check. Um, and I'm giving you the the kind of high level, like this yeah, sure. doesn't happen. I'm, yeah, 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 of course. Uh, we we did it once back in. You know, um, <laughs> no, no, I get but it. But just not... yeah, just just having those check ins with with your kids, I think, is important. So that's a good a good way for them to start off too. Um. So so right now you your focus uh, in in your furniture. If, if, tell me if I'm if I'm wrong here. It's really kind of like three to nine years old. Um, yeah. And do you feel like, will that evolve as your children grow? I mean, if, if your prototype testers are three to nine years old right now. <laughs> no, no, you've kind of, you kind of hit on the, uh, yeah, I, I think I want to stay in that sweet spot. I don't necessarily think I want to grow with my children in that sense. Um, because I think there is such a need for furniture at that level where it's not disposable and it doesn't like, we've all seen that plastic extruded chair in the garbage where, you know, it yeah. broke after a couple months. Like we want our pieces to, you know, I think the stat is, I think it's 70% of furniture ends up within landfill of which 0.3% is actually recycled. So it's a horrible, like that waste, that waste cycle is horrible. So we want to avoid that. Um, and I think that's where the real need is, is from that, you know, I'll say 18 months to eight or nine year old is that kind of sweet spot. After that, like kids really want to sit in adult chairs. Yeah. Let's be honest. I mean, um, and they want to grow up like that. But for that, you know, that other age, that younger age, you know, giving themselves an ownership, like this is your piece of furniture. No one else is going to sit in it. Like, and it kind of empowers them to do a lot of stuff. And you see these, these like little 18 month old kids dragging around the toddler tower into the kitchen. You're like, Oh, that's meant for two year olds. But you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's that kind of thing. Um, but it's great. Yeah. So I don't think my, you know, we have a couple prototypes that will never be produced and they're at home and they're a little bit larger. Um, hey, I was funny. April fools a couple years ago, we did like, Oh, we're getting into full size furniture. And I was like, Oh, thank goodness. And you're like, Oh, it's a joke guys. Just testing the battle there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I'll stick with, with our sweet spot of, uh, you know, almost full size. Nice. I like it. I, I also, uh, you know, I mean, we have this chair that my kid that was in my kid's room and now of course, yeah, they've outgrown it. And, um, mm -hmm. but it was, a chair that my sister and I sat in. It was like a little rocking chair and it was yeah. a rocking chair that my dad had when he was like yeah. five years old. And I feel like quality furniture like that made for children, like can be generational. Um, yeah, like for sure. Yeah. Definitely. Your grandkids could, will be using yeah. furniture, which is just, there's something really just cool about that. And 
connected. It is. It really is too. When you're when you're creating these pieces and you're you know you're thinking about other stuff as you're sanding or as you're putting them together, and you know you step back and you're like, this piece could be around for another thirty years because yeah. of the way we've designed it, because of the way we you know we built it and finished it. Like, I, I hate the word heirloom, but it kind of fits here in the the sense that like yeah, the, the goal is not not just to have this not end in landfill in two years, but it, to be this intergenerational thing where like, oh, this was my chair that I sat on. This is like, you know, all that kind of stuff, I think is just such a cool story. And it's, you know, I, I think a lot of like, I can't wrap the head around, I can't wrap my head around, you know, my kids having kids potentially one day. Right. Um, but I know that they'll have furniture that will last potentially that long as well. So it's really neat. That's great. How do you think, um, as an expert in this in this field, um, of children's where, furniture. Where? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how, how do you think like, like having a space for kids? I'm not quite sure what this question is, but like stuff like having their own desk, having a space, having having good design for a child. Yeah. What does that What does that do for them? What's the benefit for them? I think it like. I think it gives the, it starts them off in that journey early on of what good design is, and you know, if you put two toys behind with a kid and i'll use lego as an example because it's just such a great product but you have lego in front of it, and then you have some other little plastic thing that's uh, you know a little a little cheaply made and kind of it looks like it's going to break they're going to navigate towards that lego piece because they know that you know it's built well that's solid they can bring it down tear it up the other piece is going to fall apart and then it loses one piece and then it ends up in one corner of the room and it kind of so i think kids again this credit thing where they they'll they, they know what kind of good quality is and what good design is. And I think um, they kind of gravitate towards that naturally. So it, really for us, it's just giving them that kind of output and just allowing them to have this piece that's, um, that's made for them. I think, you know, a really good example is um, kind of similar is a bike company called Womb. And I'm a huge cyclist and both my kids are too, but they made a bike that was light enough for kids. And so they got that, you know, a lot of kids bikes out there it would be the equivalent of you as a grown-up having a 35 pound bike and so what they've done is they've kind of designed it so this actually bike weighs about the equivalent of like 11 pounds for a kid which is something that a kid can kind of move around and, and all that so i think starting and giving kids you know access to good design at a very young age is super important and it kind of just leads them along the way and then you know if they get into design it's like oh yeah i had that really cool piece i had that really cool pencil holder when i was a kid and it was really designed you know designed well and well thought out and so i think it just kind of carries carries on with them but it's 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 super neat just to see what you know it's it's cool when i get kids to design or like i'm like oh can you we're thinking about a new chair can you design some stuff and like the crazy stuff you get but i know it's like Oh, I can see that because you made a Lego the other day that kind of looked similar and, you know, this is, and so you start to figure out where they've got all this design influence from. And yeah, uh, yeah I think it's just neat. That's cool. That, I mean, it kind of mm -hmm. reminds me a couple weeks ago, I chatted with, have you heard of story pirates? The, yeah. uh, podcast yeah yeah uh, my kids love that. And I interviewed yeah. the creative director and founder of story pirates and oh, he, amazing. Talked, he talked about, you know, that's their whole model. Of like, and he thinks yeah. kids are creative geniuses, and like that they they build stories and worlds based on what kids tell them and ideas that kids yeah. have. And so I, 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 it sounds very similar to what you're saying. Like your kids can help, you know, prototype and get ideas from them. Oh, and for like, sure, and they're it was, part of the process. We, yeah, I was looking at like a good friend of mine who's this. Uh, I'm, I'll I'll name drop um, Pat Vale uh, on Instagram. Pat Pat Vale. 
Uh, and he's, you know, uh, this incredible artist. And we had the opportunity to, you know, Des and I would spend Friday afternoons in his studio. And I was just kind of, I, I could use it for creative time. And he was kind of teaching Des to draw. And of course, like he was on, you know, an iPad Pro with Procreate. And Des is sitting there sketching out these little chairs. And I'm like, oh, I can't move that. He's like, oh, dad, it's a different layer. And he's getting into like layering of this, like, you know, chair that he's making. And it's this insane, like, kind of circular thing with all the, the uh, the books being held in it and it's you know it's done in procreate there's different layers of color it's insane and i think he was seven at the time and i'm not saying like he's you know this insane artist but it was just like given the right tools um they can go on to create these like fantastical things and yeah, yeah some of them you know you need a low gravity environment but otherwise like you know we'll try and build that at someday and it'll be it'll be super cool i love it i think yeah, yeah. get kids involved in the process you'll be surprised yeah, get kids involved in anything. Like, I, it's, you know, people, yeah, in the kitchen too. It's like, yeah, they don't, you'd be surprised what a kid can do with a knife. Like, mm. the safety, you know, keeping safety. Like, my kid was cutting Brussels sprouts when they were super young. Yes, I'm a chef, but it, just getting kids involved. Like, my daughter can, you know, clean all the kale or pick cilantro or different, you know, different things like that. Getting them involved. And the earlier you do it, you kind of get them into that mindset. And then they just, you know, now they can start cooking eggs by themselves or now they can start using, you know, applying heat and cooking like that. So it's really just these, you know, meeting them at their level and just kind of pushing them a little bit um, yeah. really opens it up. And then you see like, you know, months later, you're like, oh, you couldn't do that before, but now you've got all these kind of tools there. And I think like whatever they're doing, you know, whether it's in the kitchen or where it's drawing by themselves or, you know, creating a story, it's just giving them the right tools at, you know, appropriate for their age and kind of pushing them a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think is just amazing to to kind of watch. Nice. Well, David, I think that uh, your your work is is really beautiful. The the furniture that you're putting together, it's cool and it's fun. Um, Thank you. It's franklinandemily.com. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. So everybody, everybody, go check it out. Are you guys? I'm assuming you're on all the socials. I don't think I saw your your social. You're on. We're not on. Yeah, we're on social. Um, we're yeah. big on Instagram. We're not on TikTok yet because my ah. kids haven't figured that out. But we'll, we'll be on there soon. <laughs> Franklin and Emily on Instagram, franklinandemily.com. Uh, go check yep. out his furniture. It's very cool. Um, and it's 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 got a, like, a great story around it. And like you said, you guys are big on sustainability. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a lot more to explore. So I appreciate you. You tell me a little bit about the process. And I, I loved hearing about kind of those career journey transition stories that's something that's just I, I like to hear as a dad and as a parent um yeah and so so I, I appreciate you taking the time to, to chat with me no absolutely Matt it was uh, amazing and if anyone wants to reach out if you're if they're in that kind of pivot where they want to know if they should change careers or not um just drop me a line um you know at me on Instagram and uh yeah I'd love to chat awesome but thank you so much nice thanks man